This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I'm joined once again with Jim Sebastio. Hey, Jim. Hi, Brian. Good to see you again. You too. We're going to jump right into topic here in just a moment. Before we do that, I just want to say thank you to all the listeners and support you've given us. If we can serve you in any way, please let us. Go to practicalshepherding.com. You can contact us directly through that contact page, as well as feel free to utilize any of the resources we have there, including uh, over 100 podcast episodes that you can access right there on the website and other articles and and books and we actually have a, a some new books coming out this actually this next year that we're excited about as well as some other things. So feel free to check us out at the website there and let us know how we can serve you in the future and that includes writing us about things you would like us to cover on the podcast because the topic today actually was a topic that was sent in uh, somebody asking us to address a certain topic and so we want to do that one because we were asked and two this is a really common thing pastors go through yeah. uh, pretty consistently, as we were talking about, uh, in, as just being a pastor, regardless on uh, how the unique difficulties that a year may bring. Pastors just have this kind of main difficulty all the time to some degree, uh, as we're in a fallen world and there's sin and suffering everywhere and sorrow that, that is everywhere. And this is a pastor's life, isn't it, Jim? So mm. why, why don't – let's set it up first biblically – uh, how do we think through? Um, let me let me first say just this is what we would like to talk about. Pastors getting just overwhelmed by the amount of hurting people in their yeah. church. So we want to remind everybody that the you know pastor's life is he carries his own burdens first of all, which is enough for anyone. Right. But then a pastor takes on the burdens of his congregation, his That's people. Right. If he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, exactly. as, I, as I like to right. say, so uh, which is a unique burden for the for the pastor's ministry. And when we do that as human beings, there are seasons we've both been there. There are seasons where it just becomes overwhelming carrying the burden, and because it's the burden, it's not that a pastor's doing anything wrong necessarily, but it it's just the reality of a one human being carrying so much burden starts to affect you in a really difficult way. So I don't know, Jim. How do, how do we think through, look at the New Testament, and think about uh, how a pastor can wade through these waters, especially when we hit this overwhelmed place? It's a good question, Brian. And so again, I think I want to I want to reiterate what you have said, and that is, we're really we're talking about when you have a pastor's heart. That's really what we're getting at yeah, here, right. and that is that you're not disconnected from your people. You're not just a, a pulpit presence. You're not just an emergency counselor. But that you're in a you're in a congregation of a of a certain size where you you know the people you know their names you know what they're going through, and so in any given year, I'll just throw out a few examples of some things you you might have. I, I just go back a few years ago. So we had a a mother in the church whose teenage son was dying of of brain cancer. Yeah, people. Uh, who were uh, ill, older folk in the church who who had disease and who were on their last leg or on their way to their on their way to glory? Uh, you had marriages that were breaking apart. You have parents whose teenagers are sin is being exposed and and they're heartbroken. You know, a, a, a kid leaves the faith or you know, we didn't have this, but I know people have had to deal with it. A kid comes out of the closet. You know. Uh, sexually speaking, or you know, whatever whatever the case might be, and you look out on any given Lord's Day, 
and and it's fairly regular as you're preaching that there are are people wiping away tears uh, as you're preaching and you know how burdened they are yeah. uh, and and you feel uh, both in your public ministry how am i going to what am i going to say you know so you know what am i going to preach what are the texts of scripture i'm going to preach that acknowledges this and and sometimes this is far more acute and other times it's it maybe it's lesser it's maybe you're going through a smoother season but but often it's not just one person but many people and you're saying okay how do i do i acknowledge this in my preaching do i actually speak to the reality do i address the elephant in the room when yeah. i'm talking about this do i actually Oh, do you do you break the fourth wall and let people know that hey, I'm I'm actually I am preaching to this congregation in the midst of this, and we all know what's going on, and we know that some people here are incredibly hurting right now, and that these are realities. So there there is that there's that, and then there is the counsel that we give outside of the pulpit, and that is that you're meeting with people, you're you. Uh, you're you're you are letting them know that you know what's going on and they're you're they're on your heart and I'm praying for you and then Brian for me there as well there is the the you're just at home and and you're sad and you're you're caring because you love these people um and you're just sad for them and, and you you are one thing, one of the things this brother said in the uh, message he sent to us, you're overwhelmed and you feel like you don't know what to do. You can't take the hurt away. You you can't fix the marriage that's breaking up. You can't that's right. change the kid who's walking away. You can't heal the brain tumor. You can't bring this guy back from the brink of death. All the stuff that would like, oh, that would fix it, you know? Yeah, right. And, when uh, that, and that would make them so happy. And you can't do any of that. And you know that these people are entering into not just you know troubled waters that are temporary these are going to be with them for for decades yeah. and for some of them for the rest of their life they're going to be feeling the weight uh and 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 you ask the question again you get back to this over and over again in ministry who's sufficient for these things well you, romans gives us some good guidance on what do you do in those situations where well, you weep with those who weep mm. i mean jesus was a man of sorrows i mean it's kind of this is a calling really to to, to walk in sorrow with other people as they hurt. But the spirit of the question, which I really appreciate, is what happens when that's all you can do and it just becomes too much yeah. for a human being, for one human being to carry at the same time. And, you know, I think of, you know, I think often of Paul when he describes, is it, you know, 2 Corinthians, where he describes his level of suffering, you know, the, mm. the things he's endured. And I think a lot of people read that text when Paul uh, writes that and think, wow, I mean, how amazing was Paul? He carried all of this, you know, right. experience and suffered this much. I read that passage and I think, <clears throat> what kind of emotional and psychological and spiritual and even physical ramifications came mm. from that level of suffering? Right. Because I think that is a fair question to ask when we see, I mean, Paul Paul was the, he was the apostle Paul, but he was also a human being and, and how those things af- affect you. I think we need to be reminded that that's the reality for every pastor who's a human being and can only carry so much. And a lot of pastors find themselves in this spot. So uh, <clears throat> one story I want to 
I'll share that I think really captures what this question, what this brother's asking in the question. I many people know my story where my pastoral mentor was was his wife were killed by drunk drivers, and he pastored the same church, planted the church, was past same pastor for thirty three years. He was a really good, faithful pastor, mm. beloved by this church. It devastated them. One of my dear friends from our church, uh, who was from that of uh, that church originally actually left his studies here and went to pastor that church. Still pastors there, by the way, to this day. He, he had never pastored before. He was on a, on a, he was doing his PhD. He was on a, a scholarly trajectory, really gifted in that way. And he felt a call to go pastor this church. He's got a pastor's heart. He goes down there. And first, in two years, the first pastor since, this, since the, our mentor had died, and he calls me about three months in. And just real, you know, just a really heartfelt, mature brother. He just, I, I, how do I? He just was talking about how overwhelmed he was. Like he, so he went into a church he already knew, a church that was knew how to look to a pastor as the shepherd. You know, mm. they didn't have to have that warm up period in a sense that most pastors have when they go to a new church. And he dove in, and three months in, he he called me at a place I'd never talked to him before, and he was basically saying. What do I? How do I emotionally handle all the burdens I'm feeling? Like just was articulating how overwhelmed he was, and that's always stuck in my mind because I think that that really captures. It's almost like the the pastor who's never done this before, and then he's thrown into the middle right. of pastoring, and already has a love for these people, and so he, in a good way, he becomes overwhelmed with just the the burden and the heartache. And the pain and the hurt he's begins to walk through these people in a way he never had before, and so I, I think that captures what happens as we would say: if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing as a pastor, you're going to experience the imbalance of letting this become so overwhelming to you in a way that affects you in, in really challenging ways, and when that affects your family, and affects how you are a husband and a father, and your personal life, and all those kinds of things. So that's really what we want to think about, Jim. Okay, uh, what yeah. what do you what would you suggest? You've when you've had these different seasons. Yeah, uh, let's let's start here. What? How do you identify first? I'm overwhelmed, and it's not because I've done anything wrong necessarily, or I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm overwhelmed because I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. What what, what have right. you done in that season? One to recognize it, and then two, how do you begin to figure out what to do about it? <laughs> yeah, I I almost want to draw a distinction between. Uh, you know what I should be doing and what I and what I am, and you know so I mean what I am here is you know I'm a pastor I'm a friend I'm a brother, and so I I am that's why I'm feeling you know what I'm what I'm feeling um, and then what do I do and, and and I think we feel because you're the pastor. I think we need to we need to understand two things. So I'm the pastor, and so how do I manage these almost expectations? And I think we need to. What I want to, um, and I'm not sure I'm going to. Hopefully, I'm answering your question here in this, Brian. We need to make sure that we don't underestimate what our simple care, and by that I mean just calling, putting your arm around on a Sunday reaching out through the middle of the week several you know maybe several times and just saying hey I'm I'm just I'm really mindful I just want to let you know I'm praying for you today 
it, that that is going to feel at times really ineffectual mm-hmm. because you know you're not that's not going to make the depressed person all of a sudden like oh i was depressed and now i'm not depressed yeah i was overwhelmed and now i'm not overwhelmed but but even with that don't underestimate what that does it may, it doesn't fix it but it is sweet it mm. adds sweetness it's it, something it, it, right? it is it's something. something and it's and it's a very significant something yeah it doesn't bring the child back from the dead it doesn't eliminate the brain tumor it doesn't heal the husband. It doesn't bring the wayward child back. But it lets them know, I'm not in this alone. Because what very often suffering people feel like is nobody cares, nobody remembers, I'm in this alone. Yeah. So don't underestimate that. But also don't overestimate what you what you are called to do. And again, you're you're not called you're not called to fix it. Yeah. And and I think that helps me because I've had to recognize my own limitation, my own frailty, because I want to fix it. I, I want to make them better. Mm-hmm. I, I want to make that crying, despairing widow happy, mm-hmm. like all the time. I want to, I, I, and that's not my job. Yeah. No, I appreciate you mentioning that because that was what was on my mind as you were first talking, and that's that a lot of times we're overwhelmed just because we just get overwhelmed with the pain of this and the hurt of this world. But so often in my experience, pastors who get overwhelmed, it's because we're not okay with the limited things we can do. Right. Like to what you said, the, even the small things we can do are good things. They, they matter. So it, a lot of this, a lot of the overwhelmed feelings that pastors take on, come from the expectation that we somehow are supposed to be able to do more. There's one thing to say, I want to do more. Right. I wish I could right. I wish I could bring this child back from right. the dead, right? right I wish right. I could do all right. this. I wish I could make the cancer go away. <clears throat> but there's nothing wrong with that. But where we get into trouble, I think, is when we we put the expectation, I should be able to do this. I can't. And that's an additional burden that is crushing. Yeah, because there's guilt, and there's a difference between right. between feeling a sense of sorrow and feeling guilt. And and I want to so I want to tell a story if go I may, ahead, yeah, Brian. So I I look back on, and I'm so these are my pastoral confessions. There have been times when somebody's in a situation, and I don't know how to help. I just don't know how to help, and because I want to be such, I want again, I want to fix it. I want to be of such practical help. And I know that I can't, and so I either feel this sense of guilt, or I, or I withdraw, because I don't want to face my failure. Yeah. So I don't, I don't want to get up there with the bases loaded and know I'm going to strike out. And, and so you don't communicate. You're not going up as much. So you, so you're like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm praying, but they don't know you're praying, hmm. and, and and God's not going to say, you know, in their dream, Jim's praying for you, yeah, and. And so, because I couldn't do everything, I sometimes did nothing. Yeah, yeah. And, and and that and that hurt. And I've had I had a family. The the it was actually the wife come and say, you know, we were going through a really hard time, and you you rarely spoke to us. You rare, you know. And then part of it was I just I felt so you didn't have insufficient. Yeah. I felt and it couldn't do anything. And so I withdrew. Yeah, and it's terrible. And, and, and so that's the one. And then I go back to another situation where. The, the, the grief that they were going through was so acute. It was so hard. But 
I was there, I, yeah. and I and 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 I listened, and I prayed, and I interacted. I didn't fix anything mm-hmm. other than I let them know how much I loved them. Yeah, and and they their affection for me. And they're now the first family. Thankfully, forgave me. They were very gracious. Yeah. They're very gracious. They didn't leave because I disappointed them. But for the second family, uh, they, they they have an affection for me that's far in excess of what I actually perform. Right. Right. I didn't fix anything, but I, d- I did let them know they're you're not walking alone. Yeah. And and to regularly have those kinds of discussions that allows them to be able to talk about the one they lost and, and not feel like, Oh, I got to fix this. I got to fix this. You know, and and you don't sometimes again, like the whole, you know, we, we sometimes it's the, uh, you joke about it, but like with your wife, sometimes your wife just wants you to listen. She doesn't want you to fix it. And we're listening, we're listening. Like, how am I going to fix this? How am I going to fix this? And she's just telling you, she just wants you to know, she just wants you to hold her. Mm-hmm. That's all she wants out of the end of it, is, or I'm sorry, and, and a hug, and, and that's it. That's all she wants. And we're guys, we're fixers, we're pastors, we want to be fixers, and to rest in our limited ability, I think is very important. I appreciate your confession, Jim. Again, I can totally relate to it, and think of situations in a similar way. In fact, I I, I can relate to both sides. One, I can relate to withdrawing because I just didn't have the emotional capacity to do whatever I know I needed to do. And, and I can, I have similar stories on the other side. I can say that, <clears throat> which I think is the other side of this, that you become so burdened over something that you become obsessed with it. Right. And I want to acknowledge that that's the other side to this. I think that <clears throat> the withdrawing isn't as painful, but to, you know, initially you think because you're not feeling it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when a pastor, to the spirit of this question again, gets overwhelmed with all the hurting people, sometimes it's an imbalance the other way. It's I, I've become so I become obsessed in an unhealthy way, whether it's wanting to fix it or whether it's just uh, empathizing to that level, to where you you crush your own soul right. uh, by just obsessing over it. It's all you think about, you you know, and you just get consumed by it. I want to recognize that. Though that sounds noble, that's also unhealthy. Yeah, and I want so I want to highlight just both sides to that as we're as we're having this conversation, because we we do want to address when we get overwhelmed, what do we do? Well, the answer is not to withdraw, right? But but the answer is to find that that balance of empathizing and yet trusting God, knowing your limitations. All that matters in how overwhelmed you get on a day to day basis. And so let me uh, may highlight three things real quickly yeah. in light of that. Yeah. So one is the text I think about all the time is, is from first Peter five, casting all your care upon him mm. because he cares for you. Yeah. And, and that's a beautiful thing in two ways. Obviously, first of all, God is bidding you to say, listen, you've got something on you that you can't handle, and I want you to give it to me. And I want you to give it to me, not just because I'm wise and not just because I'm powerful, but because I care, because I love you. And very often, that's actually a, a very important point in the Word of God because people will they 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 don't lose their confidence that God's powerful or wise or sovereign. They do at times lose their confidence that God cares. Mm. Lord, don't you care that we perish? Right. She's doing all of these things. Lord, don't you care? You know. Mm-hmm. And, and God says, "I do." You that you you are. So that's that's the first thing. Yeah. 
So that that needs to, that's an act of prayer. That's an act of casting. I feel this burden. God is saying to you, don't just carry that by yourself. Yep. The second thing is find someone to help carry that burden with you. Bear yeah. one another's burdens and so fulfill yeah, the law of Christ. Good. There are people that you can call on and say, hey, you know, whatever it is, Lydia really could use, you know, it wouldn't be appropriate for me to you know, take Lydia out for coffee. But maybe I can say to my wife, let's have her over or actually say to one of the ladies in the church, hey, would you mind, you know, she's really going, she's in a hard place and I know it's going to be hard. I know you're going to feel like, oh, I don't know what to do. Just listen, just listen, just be there and listen, just listen and hug and hold a hand. And then the third thing is have somebody that you can share your burdens with. So somebody that can share the burden of actually help carry the burden that you're, that you're in. Right. But the other is just talking. And so it's helpful from, you know, this is why we talk all the time, but you need to have pastor friends. Right. You need to have somebody maybe outside of the circumstance and situation, and you can just tell them, I am, I am overwhelmed right now. And, and that helps. It's just, so talk to God, rally others, and then share your grief yeah. with somebody that will listen. That's really good and practical. Uh, I, I, I want to wrap this up by with this closing word, and that's, I think it needs to be said in the midst of, one, the battle to be overwhelmed with carrying burdens, and the command of, of Romans to weep with those who weep. Yeah. One of the places I either see pastors get overwhelmed or they withdraw, as you yeah. articulated, is that, that pastors don't know how to do sadness. Yeah, They don't know how to be sorrowful with people. Yeah, And so I want to just put that on the radar of anybody listening, that you need to be aware of, are you uncomfortable with sorrowful, hurting people? Yeah. If you're uncomfortable, you want to be self-aware of what's going on there and to, and to realize that that's the place to start. If you're uncomfortable being, you know, and so that's where the fixer comes out is because I want to fix this because this is uncomfortable to me. Right. Then then you need to realize that part of part of the problem, part of getting overwhelmed, or part of your our reactions to want to withdraw is we're uncomfortable to to sit in sorrow and pain with people. Yeah. So I would I would encourage people to to see what's your level of sorrow that you can embrace and allow yourself to just go and empathize with that hurting person because I think I think you've heard me say this before. I think sadness is a very healing. Uh, emotions for our own souls. And so I think that's why the, the command is weep with those who weep, is is that there's something with sorrow. Jesus was a man of sorrows. Yeah. I mean, I think there's something around sorrow that is appropriate in the fallen world we live in, and we should embrace that. Yeah, we just, uh, as Americans, we tend to think, I want to get out of this as quickly as possible, instead of saying God has something for me here. I want to mention again, uh, just thinking of it, and, uh, you know, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy right. uh, book yeah. that... I don't remember everything I read in that book, but it did help me with this category that sometimes it's it's lament and that sometimes what I ought to feel is is lament and that that is a category of biblical emotion that's not just to be rushed through to get, you know, to get out of it, but that it has its own part in my relationship with God. I appreciate you mentioning that. Mark Virgo, uh, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, is the single best book on Christian lament I've ever read. Mm-hmm. And it released a couple of years ago, and it's got Mark has just done a tremendous job with this book. So if you haven't, if you don't have that book, you will be helped to endorsed by Brian Croft. I is believe. It, it, it? That's true. Yeah, that's true. I'm all. I was all for it. So, um, <clears throat> Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. That's a great place to start. 
in trying to think through the the embracing of sorrow and, and empathy uh, to be able to care for your folks well. So, Jim, will you take a minute and pray for yeah. pastors listening to this that they will be able to find that balance? Our Father in heaven, we recognize that we are called to shepherd your people in a dark and fallen world that is wearisome and that carries with it many sorrows and sufferings. And Father, we thank you for the sufficiency of your word and for the presence and nearness of your spirit. We thank you, Father, for your own tender love for your own And Father, we know that we are called to love and to care for these ones uh, in their sufferings, and we confess that uh, in their afflictions we at times are afflicted, and that we uh, will enter into their sorrows in such a way that our own souls are deeply affected. And so, Father, help us to love well. Uh, Help us, Father, simply to listen and to help carry what we can carry Help us, Father, to call alongside us others to help us um, in this work. And then we do pray, Father, you'd aid us in all the ways in which we need to unburden our hearts before you um, to be able to enter into the other aspects of life and ministry without being overwhelmed or crushed. We ask these mercies in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.